Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast, where we talk to people who matter about the things that matter in the world of financial services. I'm Brandon Russell, online writer here at IFA Magazine, and joining me on the podcast this week is my co-host Jacqueline Wilson. Good afternoon, Brandon, and hello everyone. It's Jack with you today. Now, some of you will have seen the coverage on IFAM and GB Investments recently, as both the Venture Capital Trust Association and the Enterprise Investment Scheme Association have been celebrating the extraordinary growth in the sector. So the big question is, is this a boom time for venture capital and enterprise investment? So to answer our questions and dig a little deeper, we're delighted to be joined today by Hughie Clark, who is a partner at Foresight BCT, and is responsible for sales and marketing within the retail customer base and is based in the London office. So welcome, Hughie. Lovely to have you with us. It's a pleasure to be here. So shall we kick off with the really big question of why? Why has VCT investment grown so substantially in recent years and what's driving it? Yeah, it's, it's a great place to start, actually, and, and perhaps useful to, to frame just how much VCTs have grown, because it if you're not watching the market, it would have been quite easy to miss. Um, there was almost 1.1 billion raised in VCTs last year. It was the the second year running that there was over a billion pounds of VCT money raised. Uh, and to give some context to that, it was a 57% uplift on the raise just two years prior. So, so we are seeing record flows into VCT. Uh, we, we'd never breached the, the billion pound fundraise before. Indeed, we'd, we'd never breached 800 million um, prior to, to a couple of years ago. So th- there's definitely something stirring in the VCT market and an appetite like we've never seen before. We can only speculate truthfully as to where that's coming from, but but based on conversations we're having and and what what the market seems to be telling us, I think there are three factors that certainly appear prominently. Um, the, the first is that we really are dealing with a, a mature market now. Uh, there are a, a number of consistent performers with with a great deal of longevity. And so what what advisors and investors can see is a market where there are several players who've been around for a long time, who've delivered comparably attractive uh, levels of of return. Uh, And actually, they can have some confidence about what they're buying and, and what they can expect from it. And I think that confidence has to be a core part of why we're we're seeing the growth in the market that we've seen. Really key to that though is the advisor market getting comfortable with VCTs. There are one or two large D2C players in the VCT market, but the vast majority of flows are advised. And so the fact that financial intermediaries have got to a place where their own confidence has grown in this space, I think importantly, they've started to understand the compliance hurdles that they might need to to scale and particularly where these assets can fit inside an investor's portfolio as part of a broader diversified uh, range of holdings. That that has absolutely been critical as well. I think the third component 
and, and perhaps harder to measure this one for sure, but it, it's perhaps not a coincidence that the scale of the tax burden that we see um, combined with some of the, the more recent issues over pension planning in particular, that, that that has led both advisors and investors to explore options for reducing their tax bills and, and perhaps go outside of some of the normal solutions, things like ISAs and, and pensions as well. Just on that, then you mentioned the pension planning and retirement planning. So would a VCT investment appeal to someone saving for retirement? I, th I think it certainly appeals to, to a certain type of investor and, and when you stand back from it you can start to see why quite clearly um, at a really headline level and purely in terms of of tax benefits and very mindful we should never let the tax tail wag the investment dog as as the saying goes but but purely from a, a tax perspective a vct is one of the most tax efficient vehicles that's available to, to an investor. Uh, and thinking particularly for uh, investors contemplating retirement, there are a handful of features that, that are likely to appeal. First and foremost, the tax-free income that VCTs generate. Um, clearly, we, we can all do the numbers around what a 5% yield, which is what most VCTs would, would target, what a 5% yield uh, paid gross would mean to an investor relative to, to having to pay that as a taxed income from a, a pension or an annuity, uh, for example. But but clearly that, that tax efficient income is just as available from an ISA as it would be from a VCT, where VCTs really start to stretch their legs and, and show the advantages they offer relative to, to uh, pensions and ISAs is you've also got that tax efficiency up front so so we all know with a pension you get tax relief up front the fund grows tax-free but when you come to draw the benefits typically taxed in in one form or or another with an ISA you have the reverse you, there is no tax relief on investment but tax-free growth of the fund and tax-free on exit with a VCT you are getting the best of both worlds where you have tax relief on investment 30 percent of the investment value up to a maximum of 200,000 per year. The fund grows completely tax-free, but you can also draw the benefits down tax-free. So, so that means for someone who's contemplating retirement, actually there's a range of benefits there that, that mean it can play a, a really attractive part of, of a retirement pot. And you're probably going to hear me talk a, a, an awful lot about diversification and, and a portfolio of retirement assets today because that's where I think a VCT can serve an attractive purpose and, and, a, and an important role. It's not about replacing other forms of retirement planning. It's, it's not about um, standing down from pension planning or ISA planning, but it is about recognising where a VCT might add a new dimension to, to the retirement suite, uh, if you like. Uh, uh, which which perhaps brings us to the to the third point, which is the flexibility, and and this is another area where it, it to a greater or lesser extent it would match an ISA, but certainly outperform a, a pension, which is after the minimum holding period of five years, 
investors do have complete flexibility over when and how they draw those funds. So, so you don't have to wait to a specific age and there's no rules about you can only take so much tax free and, and the rest will be taxed or, or whatever it might be. You're actually in a position where the full fund could be drawn entirely free of CGT or, or any other um, form of taxation at a time of the investors choosing. So when you bring all those things together, just the highly tax efficient nature of the VCT and the fact that it plays a little bit of the role of the ISA, a little bit of the role of the pension, you can start to see that for investors that, that it works for, um, you can see why, why it would appeal as, as part of that retirement suite. You are listening to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at IFA Magazine. There's probably a really important element that we should probably cover off as well, Hughie. And I think most investors and some advisors associate VCTs with risk. So could you talk us through that a wee bit and should investors be wary of using them to plan for retirement? Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And I would say the first thing it's it's really important to, to be fully transparent about that VCTs do carry risk. And for many investors, that they will be more risky than than many other assets in their portfolio, and perhaps um, any other asset in their portfolio. So the, the first thing to be to be really transparent about is that the perception of risk is is an accurate one. Um, from there, though, I think think there are a few things that are important. The first would be that not all VCTs are built the same. And so there is a range of risk within the VCT market. Now, not quite the range that used to exist, but but a range nonetheless. So historically, um, there were VCTs that, that essentially were designed not to grow an investor's fund, but, but simply to return the pound that the investor um, put up in the first instance and to qualify for the VCT benefits. And I think that tells us something about just how attractive those VCT benefits are. The fact that effectively a provider would say, I tell you what, give me a pound, I'll give you that pound back in five years time, and you'll thank me for that, <laughs> because the other benefits that, that were attached were, were so appealing. Um, that those investments aren't available anymore uh, post the patient capital review. They're, they've been uh, swept away and, and arguably very appropriately. So what you are left with, though, are still two types of VCT investment that, that offer a different profile of risk to one another. The first is the true venture VCT, and that's what most people would think of when they uh, conceive of venture capital. And, you know, again, no getting away from it. These are investing in small, typically unquoted uh, companies. Many of them won't have made a commercial profit to date, and some of them won't have made a commercial sale. So they might not yet have any uh, commercial revenues. Their revenues will commonly be built on grants and the funding that they receive from uh, VCT and indeed AS investment. And the reality in that space of the market is investors need to expect some of those companies to fail. 
that they might have a great product, they might have a great team, that they might have on the face of it, everything going for them. But the reality is a proportion of them will fail. There are all sorts of reasons why uh, small companies fail, not always to do with not having the right people or, or not having the right uh, funding. So in that market, really what, what the manager is trying to deliver are as few failures as possible, but a handful of investments that deliver many, many times the original principle, uh, returns of 10 times, 20 times that the uh, original investment are not unusual in that VCT space. And so that that's the model, essentially. You, you are accepting that there will be some failures, but you are backing that the winners will be sufficient to more than compensate um, for those failures. And that's what people think of typically when they think of venture capital. What people don't think of so much, but but is just as common um, in the market, or certainly very common in the market, is, is what's more of a private equity type investment. And I, I characterised venture capital earlier in terms of not having made a commercial profit, very often not having made any commercial revenue. The private equity space is very different. Typically, these are companies who to a greater or lesser extent are established. They're, they're making commercial sales, they're very often into profit. And sometimes what they are trying to do is just to replicate their model elsewhere to grow profit as opposed to get their business off the ground. If, if I give you just one uh, hypothetical example, um, someone might own uh, uh, two or three restaurants and uh, all, all of the restaurants are operating well, they're operating profitably, they, they follow a very similar sort of menu and model. So it's a repeatable process, almost a, a cookie cutter type process. But, but what the owner of that business wants to do is, is open three or four or five or six more restaurants. Again, same menu, same setup, um, same look and feel to, to each venue, but they want the opportunity to take those to new locations. The risk there is, is to a greater or lesser extent, choosing the right location, paying the right sort of rent, getting the right sort of staff on board. But, but you actually have a model that is quite repeatable and one that, that you have evidence of its commercial success. That tends to be what you're looking more towards in the private equity space. Um, they will still be young businesses, they will still be small businesses, but you don't expect nearly the number of failures as you would expect in the venture space. Now the trade-off is you wouldn't expect to see those 10 times returns, 20 times returns that you might see at the ventures end of the market, but you might see two times returns, so, so doubling your money, you might see three times return, perhaps even four or five. So still really, really appealing in terms of the upside, just not the outside returns that you sometimes see from venture capital. And I think as advisors, as investors, as the market has started to appreciate that nuance and, and the fact that there are these different phases, if you like, or, or, or um, certainly different degrees to which the venture capital trust represents uh, an increase in risk. That's been a, a useful way for people to dip a toe into the market. 
uh, both advisors and investors to build some understanding of of the market and how it operates. And I'm sure that's been a key part of why we've seen some of the growth that we've seen. Um, I, I think the other important step, and I, I did promise to return to it, and, and uh, here I go delivering on that promise. Um, what, what we see an awful lot of are advisors investing a relatively small proportion of a client's uh, investable assets into VCTs, typically below 10%. Um, always money that the investor can afford to lose. But but when you think of it in that context, perhaps five to 10% of the investable assets, it, it's been described to me almost like a barbell uh, process of investing where you might have core investments that, that anchor around uh, a, a client's stated attitude to risk. You might have some at one end of the portfolio that are actually below that stated attitude to risk. And at the opposite end, you might have VCTs that, that are over the stated attitude to risk. But when we look at the portfolio as a whole, the advisor is still delivering to that mandated uh, risk appetite of the investor. And so that that's where I think there, there is a, a, a really visible and meaningful step change that more and more people are recognising the place of VCTs as part of the portfolio and, and judging them on that basis, not so much as a standalone asset. Some really interesting points there, Hughie, thank you. Unfortunately, we have run out of time on what's been a really interesting discussion. So to wrap up, I just want to say thanks to our listeners and thanks to you, Hughie, for your time today. It's been fantastic having you with us. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks so much. IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research and whatever necessary legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. And value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.